0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Pursue God podcast. I'm Pastor Brian, joined in the studio today again by Pastor Mark, Pastor Eric. We're talking about step six on the way to recovery. We're going through the 12 steps of AA and applying it to scripture because we want to help people to have victory over their addiction from a biblical point of view, and God wants to give people victory. So Mark, why don't we start by reading Step number six, and we'll spend some time today looking at some scripture that's connected to this, and we'll even connect it to some of the other steps we've talked about.
1: Yeah, step number six says, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character.
2: Yeah, so what we're going to be looking at today, it sounds like it's pretty close to the moral inventory that we just came off of uh, two sessions ago. And some people might be asking, well, it seems like these steps are starting to be redundant maybe. Mm. And so just a little clarification is that how these steps work, first of all, um, are kind of a, a rehashing or an unfolding of the first three steps. You know, admitting our powerlessness, realizing there's someone who can help us, and then surrendering to God uh, who is the God of the Bible and Jesus specifically as our higher power right So th- that's the first three steps and then now we're learning things about ourselves, you know the moral inventory that we took in step four and then finding a sponsor and and sharing that with with him is step five. Now we're at step six where we're digging a little bit deeper getting specific about habit. And lifestyle and character defects and traits that we have, that that don't line up with our new life. Right? The Bible mm-hmm. says this in Second uh, Corinthians chapter five verse seventeen. It says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come." Um, and so that is. The struggle that we have in the Christian life and even in the Christian recovery life is, you know, we surrendered back in step three to the God of the Bible, who is our higher power, um, but does that take care of all of our problems and issues that we have?
0: Right, yeah. The, if that verse is true, I could hear some people saying, well, good. I've, you know, maybe a few weeks ago, I surrendered to Christ. I became a Christian. I committed my life to Christ. And so then the old is gone, the new has come, right? It's all done. The work is completed. So why do I need to work the steps, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and well, the reality is, the spiritual reality to that is, is before we came to Christ, we w- all we knew was our old nature, which we're going to find out, you know, the Bible calls it the flesh, right? All we knew was our own flesh, our own desires, our own willingness to satisfy ourselves. that We were slaves to that. That's all we knew. And so then becoming a Christian, the Bible says that we add a new nature onto us. It's mm-hmm. a spiritual nature. And so now all of a sudden we have this fork in the road problem every day is now I've got to learn to decide between two natures that I have in me. This internal battle, this internal war. And so I, I think that step six is going to help us identify what are those things that we used to do, our old habits, our old ways, our old lifestyle, our character defects. And let's identify those for what they are and then find out what does God want us to do and how does he want us to live in the new nature.
0: Okay. And so what we're going to do today then is we're going to take a look at Galatians chapter five. So if you're listening at home and you're not on driving on the, on your way to work, Pull up a Bible app or a Bible, turn to Galatians 5 in the New Testament. I'm reading from the ESV today, and it says, Paul says this, he talks about what you were just explaining, Eric, this this battle between what he is going to call the Spirit, that's God's Spirit, which is in us as Christians, and then the the thing that wars with the Spirit, which he calls the flesh, or your old nature, your old way. He says in Galatians 5.16, but I say... Walk by the Spirit, right, right, which is what we're talking about. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. So we see this war. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So what is this passage saying, guys? It's saying that there's this battle, even for a Christian, that there's this battle. You're not a robot. You can still sin. You can still make the wrong choice.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's what it comes down to. It's 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 making that choice and it's it's um, developing these new patterns of behavior because that's what it really comes down to is these things have come out, you know, we identified in step 4 basically, you know, our our, our moral failings, you know, the different sins that we just we practiced. Um, over and over again. Now we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of, well, what's leading me to that, right? These sins are the outcome um, of something. In fact, it, it says in, in verse 19 here, and um, the NLT version, it says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So these are the results mm. of living in that flesh, of following these old patterns of behavior and so that's that's where it really comes down to. We've got a new nature in us now. Now, am I going to let that grow me? Am I going to start to learn how to live in that more than the flesh? It, it, it's a decision, you know, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. Which nature am I going to feed
0: right now? Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Wh- you know, y- which wolf are you going to feed? The, because the one you feed is the one that thrives. And so... Again, we want to make sure people understand, you, as a Christian, they like, what was it, 2 Corinthians 5.17? You haven't, you're, the old is gone, the new has come, kind of. It's, <laughs> in, in seminary, they said it's the already, already and the not yet. You're already fully righteous in the eyes of God because the blood of Jesus... Uh, has cleansed you from all unrighteousness, and you are forgiven. That is what has already happened. In the eyes of God, you are his son or his daughter, and you are perfect. But what the not yet part of it is, here on earth, you still struggle with sin. Here on earth, there's still this battle. And that's why Paul is saying in Galatians 5 that you have to choose to walk by the Spirit. You're, you're not a robot. It's not going to automatically happen. You have to choose to walk by the Spirit, or you can choose to follow the, the works of the flesh. And so let's, go, let's look at the list in verse 19. The works of the flesh the flesh are these. Let's go over a, a few of these at a time. And guys, I'll let you speak to this with addiction in mind. He, he starts off, Mark, this, these first three are for you. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures.
1: Yeah, those were, <clears throat> those were the things that ruled my life, and I'm sure a lot of you out there who have struggled with some form of sexual addiction or pornography, um, these, these are the outcomes, these are the results of the life that we've been living, and they really are, I mean, they're these chains that weigh us down. Even, even people who haven't accepted Christ yet, they recognize That these things are wrong because you know like 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 it says in the bible that you know god's written his law on our hearts you know there's a reason all this stuff is done in the dark there's a reason that that guys are looking at pornography you know by themselves alone keeping it all hidden and and it's because you know we've we've let our flesh take over our flesh has led us to this way of life and so as we get into this step here we're we're recognizing now these this is the way we've been living. Now, what are the habits that have been leading me to these things?
2: Yeah, Mark, I'd also like to say though that we we're trying to get out of these thinking errors. Again, as new Christians or or people that are now wanting to live their life surrendered to Christ and his word and what it says, we we we're coming out of a way of living that had these thinking errors that knew its own morality, right? And we say, so, so all of us have made excuses for why we did what we did, right? As watching watching porn or, you know, sleeping around or whatever, it it those excuses in your head are, well, that's what they're doing in Hollywood. That's what they do in watching these movies. Those guys are manly men. And and if I'm gonna be a, a regular manly man, then I ought to act like that, right? Or mm-hmm. everybody's watching porn, right? Everybody's doing it. It's not bad, man. I've heard excuses about porn. People would say, well, it helps us get in the mood, or it's it's just I've had I've had even women say that it's. It's a beautiful um, expression of what it is to be human in its fullness, you know. And those are thinking errors. That is oh, called yeah. what the meetings used to say: stinking thinking. Right? Mm-hmm. We got to change those thoughts. Yeah. What are some of the other lies, I, Mark? I think you've shared
0: in past episodes that there were some other lies in your own mind when you were, when you were engaging in some of that stuff in the in the shadows, right? And specifically about pornography. I think one of the lies you said was look it's it's for it's for the benefit of my marriage or it's it's better than the alternative, right <laughs>
1: yeah that's that's the funny thing that's the that's the stinking thinking we're talking about is you know if I'm you know looking at pornography, at least I'm not going and and cheating on my wife, mm. but what what <laughs> what does Jesus say right? Yeah. Anyone who looks upon a woman with less has already committed adultery in his heart, yeah, and that's really what it comes down to is it it is it's progressive um you know in fact that's what happened in my life was it was progressive and i did end up you know stepping out of my marriage you know later on but it's because jesus recognizes that he's trying to explain to us it starts long before
0: the act it starts in your heart mm-hmm. that's so. good all right so those are the first 3 items on the list and then in verse 20 the next two, and Eric, you get to unpack these. He talks about idolatry, and sorcery. And sorcery is that even a thing today? Is that something we even need to talk about for people who are struggling with an addiction? I mean, can are, is this about Harry Potter or is this something <laughs> else? What's going on here?
2: Well, yeah. Oftentimes, when you think about sorcery, you think about a a little uh, wand that those little crooked sticks and you know some kind of uh, witchcraft or sorcery and uh, that's happening in, in Harry Potter, and certainly I, I don't watch Harry Potter, but I don't think that that's exactly what this is talking about. I think that um, this is the root word or the, 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 the word for sorcery in the original Greek, which, which the New Testament was written in, is this word called pharmakia. And so pharmacia is where we get—so the the English language takes a lot of its words from these different um, different languages, including Greek, and so this is the word where we get pharmacy, and that means, you know, drugs, or a place that dispenses drugs, and so if you look back at the history of some things that are going on in the pagan church at the time— um, they are using sorcery or not just the pagan church but in the pagan world people are using sorcery as a way to get visions to talk to their gods to have pleasure to have all these orgies and things that they were doing they would use this as a as a a way to enhance things right to to make their sin funner and better and and more pleasurable um, so that is one way to interpret that word, pharmakia. And so basically what they're doing is they're, they're using drugs and partying like, like today. So we think that you know, things are different today. Well, these, this Bible that was written, these words that were written about 2,000 years ago still speaks to us today and to our sin, it's, it's the specific sin that we're talking about of, of addiction over drugs and alcohol and what you used earlier, you know, sexual sin. That really speaks to me when talking about uh, needing to stay away from the works of the flesh. My flesh naturally desires to not want to be sober-minded like the Bible wants us to be. I want to be loaded. I want to be out of my mind, not in my right mind. That's what my flesh wants sometimes, and people who struggle with addiction. And so um, this is one of those works of the flesh where I've got to get out of those, those lies that I tell myself, like, hey... Life would be better. I could be more social if, right? Now, sometimes for me, you know, one of the struggles or triggers that I have is to go on vacation. Going on vacation, sitting on the beach is one of my favorite vacations. And I thank God that he created all these awesome places in the world. And that for me, they have the ability every once in a while to go see them. And But it seems like on commercials, on movies, and everywhere else it's like portrayed that it's only... Best when you're sipping a drink or when you're having some kind of substance to relax even further. And and us as addicts, we say that. We say that in our minds like, this is going to help me cope. This is going to help me relax. This is going to take away my stress, my anxiety, all the above. Again, those are thinking errors, character defects that we're trying to recognize and hopefully be ready to remove those. Start having a willingness to think. In a different way
0: now what about what about idolatry because some people would say well i mean we don't have idols right when you think about the old testament or the new testament idols were Mm. wooden statues so let's give a different definition of of an idol for modern day because i think there's a lot of idolatry in our culture and i think for it for addicts in particular you need to be aware of what that would maybe mean today so an idol is anyone who takes the place of god Right in the, in the Old Testament, when someone would... Ar- think about uh, when Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments and he was up there a little too long and the people were starting to get a little, a little worried and is he ever going to come back? And they said to his brother Aaron, make us an idol, and he did. He made this golden calf for them so that they could worship this golden calf. That's such a great example of an idol is taking the place of God in your life so how does that relate to an addict? How do addicts use drugs, almost like idols in their lives?
1: That's exactly what it is. It's it's taking the place of of God because not only is it that's what you know we turn to whether it's uh, you know drugs, alcohol, uh, you know sex, these things. It's not just that we're we're turning to them to cope with things. Like when we're, you know, feeling like we, we want to, like Eric's talking about going on vacation, like, you know, this is going to enhance things. This is going to make me relax. It's going to make me feel better. Maybe I'm stressed. You know, I, 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 we turn to these things, but I think the, the, the other side of that, of I, of having an idol is how much time, effort, energy are we spending on that? that's that's taking the place of God in the same way as, you know, the, the comfort and, and things that we're seeking from it.
2: Yeah, I think uh, all humans were created to worship something mm-hmm. or someone, um, ultimately created to worship God. It was built and put into our hearts. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, eternity was was put into our hearts, right? And so we all— fall fall into wanting to worship something or someone, um, and when it's not God, it is everything else. It, it could be our family. Mm-hmm. It could be uh, some kind of hobby that we have. You know, one thing that I did when I came in into recovery and out of addiction was that I started to idolize the gym and bodybuilding, and I was willing to do unhealthy things even towards that so that I could Uh, because that was the one thing that I placed in priority, probably above God. And again, all humans, even Christians, are guilty of doing this from time to time. And so this is what gets us back to needing to make that choice every day. Uh, First acknowledge our our character defects and then say, I want to start walking by the Spirit. What does the Spirit say? Because I make idols out of You know, one of my favorite theologians says that we are a a factory of idols. We Mm. just churn them out over and over and over over again, things that we want to put in high priority Mm -hmm. over God. But your story is interesting, Eric, because I think people with addictive
0: personalities are probably more prone to idolatry, like you said, because you you need something to focus on, right? Mm -hmm. You need Mm -hmm. something to obsess over, and that's idolatry, essentially. Yeah, and I think I, that's the
1: point of this step right yeah, here, yeah. is because if we, don't, if we don't narrow in on these things, on these character defects we have, we are, we, you know, we call it, you can call it like transfer addiction, where you're just gonna move from one thing to the next. Like, Eric, you were talking about the gym, bodybuilding, that became your idol, that became your addiction. I think those are almost synonymous words right mm-hmm. there, right? I, idolatry and addiction, because it does, it's something that you end up worshiping. And we see this all around us. We, we know people in our lives, and we've been those people who have just an unhealthy obsession with something. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's sports. And that's, that's the whole point here is we need to get down to the nitty gritty, figure out these character defects we have, because otherwise we're just going to move from one thing to the next to the next.
0: That's good. All right, so we've we've talked about sexual sin, we've talked about idolatry and sorcery or pharmakeia. And the next four items on Paul's list in Galatians 5:20 are character defects that I would say I would categorize as those are related to relationships.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's about some of these other ones might have been just your own issues that's inside you, but these next few are outside of you now. He talks about hostility, quarreling, jealousy, and outbursts of anger. Let's unpack those for a minute here.
1: Well, I think those are probably really familiar to the addict because the addict has... um, Our relationships are far more broken than other people's. And when you don't know how to have a relationship, um, you only know how to have a relationship with yourself, with your own selfish nature. These are the things that come out. Because you don't really care about anybody else but yourself. And, and so that's when, it, as we're reading through this list, that's what I think of is these are the ways that I, I reacted in my personal relationships without even realizing why or, or why I was operating that way. And it wasn't until, you know, um, getting some help for my addiction giving my life to Christ, and having that new spirit put in me, that I started to see this stuff for what it really was, and it was it was just, I had no idea how to love other people, how to have a relationship with other people, and all I knew was how much I loved myself, and how mm-hmm. much I wanted to care about myself.
0: Yeah, I think that, that even when you said that, I think I need to add a fifth thing then, uh, you know, as you continue to read that in Galatians 5, Paul's calls it selfish Mm. ambition, Mm. right? That you're focused. It really is. You're just seeing the whole world through the filter of what's best for you, what's in it for you, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And one of the ones I was zeroing in on is uh, outbursts of anger. Um, How many times have I seen, I mean, have we all seen probably someone triggered to go use again because... They got so angry they couldn't control themselves, right? They mm-hmm. couldn't control themselves, and so they needed something to go calm them down. Or it's they get so angry that they say, "All right, you you hurt me, I'm gonna hurt you. I am so angry that I'm gonna get back at you by getting so wasted and causing chaos." Because we did that in our own lives, and I've seen that happen as, as working with addicts is they're hostile, destructive, cause strife, you know, through the, cause that's how they know how, that's how we used to know how to deal with things was, you know what, this is how I'm going to cope. I'm just Mm going to go cause some chaos somewhere and, uh, use. And so that's what we're trying to prevent. And again, coming back to this list is humbling ourselves and saying, okay, I'm recognizing this God. I don't want to be this way anymore because this keeps leading me down the path that has, has gotten me where I've been my whole life. I don't want to be this way.
1: Yeah, in fact, as you're talking about that, it's almost—I'm sure you've seen—you know—as you've been helping people, but that—that's a red flag when anger is coming up in in a recovering addict, um, mm-hmm. when or or dealing with something really difficult, like uh, you know, maybe death of somebody close to him It's that's that's a time where, you know, it, it be, it's so it's so harsh at that moment that. Um, it's a danger zone it's a big time danger zone and we've I, I know we've both seen uh, people who have a lot of clean time um, and because they're not recognizing the danger that they're in because of the situation going on that they end up relapsing so i I think yeah this is while this is the this is the result of living out that way
0: these things can come out and they can also bring us back into that way of life well anger for me I know in my life when I when I'm, be- when I, as I've become more self-aware of my anger or the, the little brother of anger, which is frustration. Frustration usually is what happens for me first. But at some point, if, if when it boils over, it becomes anger. For me, t- tell me this is how it is for a typical addict. But for me, it's because I feel like I can't control something. I'd, I don't have control over I'm trying to control something, and I can't control something. Whether it's someone else, whether it's something in me, whether it's a situation that's happened to me that's spun out of control. And so I would imagine for an addict then, when, when you realize you can't control something, then you just say, okay, I'm going to have to cope with it then. I'm yeah. going to have to cope with my inability to control this thing. And my coping mechanism is drugs or alcohol. Yeah,
2: yeah and that's where I think it's a good time to insert the serenity prayer. because because that's a new way of coping and dealing with things, first through prayer, but second, what the serenity prayer has to say is, um, God grant me the serenity, the peace, help me to be able to have peace to accept the things that I cannot change, right? Mm -hmm. The courage to change the things I can, and then the wisdom to know the difference between those two. And I think for addicts, we want to control things. When things don't go our way, we throw a fit, much like toddlers, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and sorry, addicts, I know you're like, hey man, that makes me angry. Well, I can say that because I still act like that sometimes and every human being does. I just think the toddler is the best example of some of these flesh things because a toddler is not as spiritual as an adult ought to be. You know, they a toddler portrays... A lot of the characteristics of the flesh other than some of those these these deeper ones that we talked about at the beginning, but some of this other stuff like they're a good example because they're a product of the flesh. They haven't quite yet been transformed by the spirit like by like hopefully we have. So we've got to learn how to cope with acceptance, with humility um, and with self-control.
0: Okay, the next two on the list go together. And I think it, again, it relates to everybody, but we're talking to addicts in particular, and they are dissension and division. Ba- basically, uh, promoting chaos in relationships in your life. Rather than peace, you create dissension and division. Mm-hmm. Does that ring true for you guys at all?
1: I, I think for addicts it does because <laughs> I I think it's the chaos that we are experiencing in our own lives we want everybody else to experience it as well you know it's almost this this thing of just well if i have to live this way i want everybody around me to be living the same way i want them to experience the exact same misery that i'm in that's that's what i think about when when we read these
2: yeah and i think it plays out of Another character defect would be being a manipulator. Hmm. Manipulating. You're trying to get people to see things your way, causing divisions. Maybe you're trying to uh, get power in a situation, or maybe you just want people to like you more than the other person likes you. Maybe um, you want to cause chaos in a situation so that the attention isn't on you, but it's on other people. Fighting against each other, right? So there's this manipulative spirit in divisive people mm-hmm. for sure.
0: Well, and the next one on the list relates to another one we haven't talked about envy. And earlier in the list, he talked about jealousy. So let's spend a minute on that because here's what's there's a couple of addicts that I know in my life that, as I've evaluated, and I think they've come to the same conclusion, what kind of got them into it in the first place is they were comparing themselves. With other people over time, and they f- they felt like they didn't measure up. So again, there's some envy and jealousy there. And what their coping mechanism, instead of I'm gonna I'm gonna just uh, be who I am, who God made me to be. I'm gonna maximize my own gifts. Instead of doing that, they compare themselves with other people. They feel terrible because they don't measure up. And so again, coping mechanism is they go, you know they go into. Uh, they go into a tailspin and, and use drugs mm-hmm. to anesthetize those feelings.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, when we look down, our, down on ourselves so much and there's shame and guilt, uh, we look around at people that are getting praise. We look around at people that are doing well for themselves. And so automatically with our stinking thinking, we start to make justifications and excuses why we're not that way or how they grew up with the silver spoon and they had all the opportunities and we didn't. And so I think envy is, is the root of those thoughts. I, th- I think when we, uh, we start to uh, make justifications why we are we- the way we are, um, we're, we're looking at people in jealousy that we want to be like, but then say, well, they're that way because this and I can't because of that. Right. And so we ought to be able to see people for who they really are. Yes, we all have a different upbringing in life and different opportunities. That fact is true, but we don't have to be like everyone else. You've got to be comfortable in your own skin. Right. And that's where, again, envy is such a lie thinking that we have to be like a certain person out there in the world like like the youtube you know influencers or or people uh, that you look up to even you know you don't have to be like them god created you unique be comfortable in your own skin and accept the things that you can't change
0: hmm. yeah that's good well the rest of this list then as he finishes off and i've got to say this isn't a comprehensive list. It's not like Paul's writing this saying these are the only these whatever 11 or 12 things. Only these things are sinful things. This is just a representative list, but I think it's been interesting yeah. to go through it. But he finishes the list now with something that Eric maybe you you can speak to. He says he says drunkenness, wild parties mm. and other sins like these. So, you know, we started with Sexual sin, and now we're finishing with your good old standard drug and alcohol sins.
2: Yeah, and again, I think, you know, society and the world at large kind of glorifies, you know, parties, wild parties, and and drunkenness, and the excess, doing things in excess. Uh, I think another one on this list could be, you know, gluttony, you know, overeating, some of these bad habits, but definitely, uh, I you know, I used to think that that's what you're supposed to do when you're a teenager. And when you turn 21, that's your second license. That's the license to go sin. <laughs> you know, that's your license. <laughs> the license to go party. Um, and so, Legally. Yeah. yeah. Well, Legally. I never
0: thought of it like that. <laughs>
2: it's your second license. Yeah. <laughs> huh. yeah, you can drive and then you can go drink, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and honestly, it's... It, There's now, I want to say this, all right. Like, first and foremost, I'm not condemning drinking or or having glasses of wine for the person who hasn't that that wasn't their addiction. If you're addicted to substances and alcohol, then alcohol is a drug, all right, just like a pain medication is a drug. And if you abuse things like that, then I don't think that you can make um, an excuse to be able to socially use those things anymore. I go to the extreme and I I say when I go to the hospital and uh, and they want to give me a pain reliever I say no. I I rarely if ever try, will take like an ibuprofen. Not to be legalistic and I know that ibuprofen doesn't do anything to you, but I just don't want to take anything cuz that was one of the major issues I struggled with. Huh. Was pain 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 medication. And so I won't do that. And and while alcohol and I, I partied a lot wasn't my major one, although I did do a lot of, and it led into the deeper, heavier stuff, um, I still say to myself, I'm not going to drink because it might lead me to be... I don't want to be out of control. I want to be in my right mind. I want to be sober. I don't want to give my life over to things. Now, saying that, I think that there are people out there and Christians out there that can handle having a few drinks socially. Jesus turned water into wine. I'm not condemning, I'm not condemning, you know, alcohol by itself is not evil. It's just the use of it and how we abuse it is evil, right? And even good medication and pharmaceuticals aren't expressive or expressly evil. Uh, But what I am saying and what this is saying is that to get drunk, is to give over the your the control of yourself over to a substance that is evil that is wrong and that ultimately leads to uh, terrible consequences. That like even in Ephesians chapter five, Paul says, "Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit." Um, and I think there's a an amazing contrast to that. Going to going back to you know, uh, pagan practices where they would use wine and drugs to be able to feel a certain thing or worship in a certain way or to have, when it talks about wild parties here, it's probably, again, possibly referring to the orgies that they used to have in these pagan churches, and they would use uh, getting drunk and, and, and sorcery and all that to be able to enhance and promote... Uh, the way that they're living. And Paul is just saying, look, this is the way the world lives. They say all this stuff is right and good and you should do it. But God says, this isn't the way I want you to live. This was your old way. I have a new way for you. Yeah,
0: it's interesting that w- your examples here from 2000 years ago are related to both of your addictions. It's a, it, it was this combination of drugs, alcohol, and sexual immorality and impurity but what Paul says, again, at the end here of this section in chapter 5, Galatians 5, verse 21, he says, Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's, he's not saying, oh, it's no big deal. It, he's saying, no, this is a real indicator that you have not given yourself to Christ, but that instead you are, you are just living for yourself. You haven't surrendered you haven't truly come to Christ. You're living for yourself. I mean, when I, when I hear those stories, Eric, it makes me think of just this unhinged, self-centered life, which is really what addiction boils down to. It's you're not thinking about God, certainly. You're not thinking about your family, your brothers, your sisters, your mom, your dad, your kids, your wife, whatever. You're just simply feeding your own desires. And Paul says, Those, that kind of living, uh, people who live like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he, and then he pivots, and I've got to just read the rest of this, because I don't want to leave it on the negative. And we'll talk more about this next week, of course, yeah. in step seven. But he says this in verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Now, notice when he talked about the work of the flesh, he called it the work of the flesh. But when he talks about the Holy Spirit, he's talking about the product of the Spirit. So in other words, the Spirit in you eventually produces this, even though your flesh is trying to get you to work for something else. So I think it's interesting the different words that he uses there. He says the Holy Spirit produces fruit, and here's the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, which is the one I was thinking of, Eric, when you were telling your story, that, you, that you'd that you say when you go to the hospital i don't want any drugs right that's self control which is the opposite of being controlled by your flesh and your base desires right
1: mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's <clears throat> you know you, you talk about this being fruit this is this is stuff that comes out as we as we learn to live this different life right as we start to you know gain some of these spiritual disciplines and we give more and more of our time and our energy our mind our heart over to God, letting Him transform us, this is the stuff that comes out of it. And it's not just, it's not an immediate thing, right? It's not a flip of the switch. Suddenly, you know, I've got, you know, gentleness and self-control. This takes time, and it takes leaning into the Spirit to produce some new habits, some, a, a new way of living that these things will finally uh, come out of.
0: But I think you have to be militant— about these, what do we call them, character defects? And Paul says it like this in verse 24. He says, those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature. The thing on that first list we talked about, they have nailed those things to his cross and crucified them there. And I think he's using that language on purpose. You have to be serious about, about killing those, uh, those character defects which again we'll talk more about next week, how to actually do that. But he says in verse twenty-five, Since we are living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So there is this, there's this there's this kind of push and pull, this this balance between we're we're being we're being militant about the character defects in our lives, we're nailing them, we're crucifying them. But then on the other side, the positive side, the Holy Spirit, like you said, Mark that's fruit. <laughs> and fruit, fruit doesn't grow overnight. Fruit take, it takes a while to nurture that and allow that to over time be produced in your life.
2: Yeah, I want to read something that I wrote in the original article for this, uh, talking about fruit. It says, before God came into our lives, we may have resembled a dying tree with withering leaves, our character defects like rotten fruit. Now with Jesus, he can make us a life-bearing tree, able to grow up into the sky with strong branches that bear sweet and tasty fruit, good to all who come near. Let us learn to seek new life from God and keep in step with his spirit along the way. I think that that's a good picture. We, We once were a dying, unattractive tree, but now we have this beautiful tree in mind that God is... Uh, Planting in us with the seed he planted in us in the spirit, and he wants that to grow up. He wants it to grow up and come out and be a wonderful, beautiful tree that that can give sustenance and life to even pour into other people. And I think that's what these fruits are doing: is they're they're uh, out of us is coming all kinds of good relational habits, relational skills, uh, self control, things that we need to do to battle against. The flesh and ultimately our addiction, and that's where we need the spirit's help on this, and that's why we say we we are becoming entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. So
0: let me finish this episode by reading Galatians five from the Message translation. Now we we started with the ESV, and then we. Shift it over to the NLT, those are great translations. Sometimes when you read it in another translation it really comes alive and the message is one of those translations. It, I don't really use it as a study Bible, but I do it it you know Eugene Peterson who did the translation does a really good job of capturing some of the imagery and the language and I love how he explains everything we just read in Galatians 5. So this is literally the same it's not going to sound the same. Yeah. but listen to this as we close. Uh, As we close this episode, Galatians 5 from the Message Translation, he writes, It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a, into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, hmm. ugly parodies of community. He says, I could go on. And then he writes... This isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things in people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. And so since this is the kind of life we've chosen, verse 25, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. So that's... Step number six on your way toward addiction and recovery. Next week, guys, we'll talk about step seven. And step seven, as I understand it, is actually related. It's the doing part of step six, right? Yes. So step six and step seven go hand in hand. So we'll see everybody next time.